Welcome to the Special Delivery Podcast. I'm your host, Special, and on this show, I like to do one of two things. Either I'm delivering you brand new music that's dropped, or I'm sitting down with an artist to break down their latest project, and that's what we're doing today. Merge joins me to break down his latest album, The Iliad is Dead and the Odyssey is Over, and we talked about everything from the album title to the artwork every single track every feature plus his distinctions between art versus entertainment working with the whole jamla crew writing from empathy the importance of sex workers and so much more so let's get into it yo what's up my name is merce yeah yeah i'm so happy you're here oh my goodness we finally made it happen yes i was supposed to come up for your birthday or something i felt really bad it's okay no it's not okay i'm sorry <laughs> i'm all... sorry i was having babies and it's crazy you know just having babies no no big deal that's yeah, a big bad, deal but, I really, but yeah i wanted to hang out man and it's all good i was honored that i got the invitation <laughs> thank you we're hanging out now though i'm yes. honored to be here with you at the video shoot do you want to tell the people what video we're shooting or keep yeah, it concealed yeah i think it's a, i think it's okay Okay, if not, it's, it's all right. Whatever. We're shooting a video for a song called These Hands off an album called These Hands, and it's the Grouch and Merce are These Hands. Yes. Did I say These Hands enough? Yes. That's, that's the thing. This song is produced by DJ Fresh? Yes. DJ Fresh, yes. DJ Fresh, DJ Fresh. Yes. Three times. Three times. Yes. Say it three times. We gotta talk about the album. The Iliad is dead. Uh, Odyssey is over. Yep. Man. I think we got to get started with the album artwork. Okay. So you had the photo taken by Edgar yes. and then Michelle Ruby Brown. Baby. Oh, he wants to be referred to as Edgar Maximo. Uh, I can't think of his last name right now, but he wants to be referred to like as a, like a luchador. Yes. Like Edgar Maximo and whatever the fuck your last name is, Edgar. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay, Edgar. We're working on it. We tried. A for effort. We, yes. You know, A for effort. We tried. So what was that concept like? So you shot with him and then you took it to Michelle and was like... I want you to do your incredible art with it. Edgar Maximo Aguilera. I'm just going to say that because it's an A and it sounds Latin. All right. Very, very stereotypical. I don't know if that was better or worse. Aguilera. Like, is it better if we make up a last name or? Yep. If you would have told me Jenkins, it'd be okay. All right. So, all right. So, um, Mr. B Baby, I follow, I think, Few and Far, which is a women's graffiti page. And then Memer and... um couple more homegirls i follow online i'm really into graffiti i'm in all elements of hip-hop culture i follow a lot of b-boys a lot of djs and a lot of graffiti writers and so i've been on a panel with a lot of comic book writer artists and then my friend patrick reed dj patrick reed on all the in social media he does we do an annual comic-con panel about hip-hop and comics he always includes graffiti writers and the graffiti writers always happen to be female i follow everybody on the panel but then through them i got into i wasn't like hey let me follow some girls that do graffiti it's just yeah, there's dope, and they ended up being, they're always on our panel, so kind of like a family thing. And then through that page, I found Mr. B-Baby, and I was like, oh, there's a dude on the thing. They're being inclusive. Didn't know that Mr. B-Baby was Michelle. She's a very talented artist. I had an idea for the cover. I printed these fucking balloons, which I still haven't sold on my website. So be watching the website. I'm going to put these balloons up for sale, the balloons from the actual album cover. So I had to buy 50 of each balloon. Then I had to go to the place and get them all filled up with helium. Then I had to pop them all, save them, and sign them so that I could sell them, but I completely forgot. <laughs> but yeah, it was like a lot to make this. I had a vision. It was a very expensive cover because I had to pay her, I had to pay Edgar, and then I had to put the balloons. But it, you know, the vision. It was yeah. a vision I had in my head, and it came out even better than it looked. Where do you think that vision came from? I have no idea. <laughs> It's really from the ether. The certain album covers, like 316, mm -hmm. End of the Beginning, 
commercial, my first one, Back for No Good Reason, the second tape I've ever made. Good music. A certain lot of covers are just coming to me. Certain times I have a, like a director. You know, it just depends on uh, the muse, the ether, wherever the ideas come from. The Holy Spirit, God, cats. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> and then why did you choose that title? I didn't. Ninth chose it. Mm. So here's the story, people. Yes. It's a horrible album cover. When I first got to North Carolina, every album me and Ninth have done has been done in about five days. 316 mm. was done in five days. We do two songs a day. Mm. No, I don't know if there were songs that didn't make 316. I think we took all 10 songs that we made and just put them out. So we work really quickly. So this time I went for two weeks or three weeks, I think maybe a little more than two weeks. So I was like, all right, we can do two albums. I can do one with the Soul Council and one with you. Then we got out there. We started visiting his dad, going to his daughter's basketball games, going to help him trade in his cars. and Running errands for yeah, night winter. Yeah, and my wife is furious because she's like, you're supposed to be out there writing. You guys are what? You're doing what with whom? What do you got? Come on. You guys are never in the studio. And so I was just like, fuck, man. First day I got there, I was like, all right, we're going to do two albums. Bro, we're going to name, you name it. Go ahead. And he's like, The Iliad and The Odyssey. Mm. I was like, cool. So we're going to do a double album called The Iliad and the Odyssey. One will be all Ninth Wonder. One will be all Soul Council. Great idea. Didn't happen. So it's coming towards the end of the session. And I look at him. We're driving in the car. And I was like, man, I guess The Iliad is dead and The Odyssey is over. And he's like, that's it. That's the album title. And I was like, that is the longest, wackest shit you could ever say. And uh, he went for it. And I had just done an album called A Strange Journey into the Unimaginable. Mm-hmm. And long album titles just don't work out. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is a bad idea. So I tried to get it in front of people in a room full of people and tell them, hoping that he would back down. But then, you know, everybody's the fucking yes, man. Everybody's scared of him, man. I'm not scared of him. So they're oh, this is great. Yeah, it's kind of different. I'm like, no, this shit's garbage, bro. Tell this motherfucker it's garbage. Nah, man. I'm like, all right, man. Oh, my goodness. He's just tall and he's very dark skinned. So people are intimidated by, or they actually like him. I can't tell which one. He's a nice guy. <laughs> So I can you. see why people like, oh, okay. Is he mean, like mean to you? Yeah, oh. really mean. You haven't seen us together, bro? That dude is so mean to me, man. He <laughs> mistreats me, disrespects me. And you keep coming back. <sighs> man, you know, people like the music. It's like a job, man. You know, I go where the money is. You know, that's it. You know what I mean? I can't take my talents to South Beach, so I take them to North Carolina. There's my... something in the water there, too. It's crazy. Man, no, that's how this album came about, because I think the two best albums of this decade were done there. Mm. Uh, it was just 2014. I don't know if J. Cole did it there, but 2014, Four Hills Drive and uh, Layla's Wisdom yes. are two of the best albums of this. And, and Eve is up there now. It's Ooh. too little early. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but... Um, the energy there's a lot of good rapper i'm really big fan of myers park by ruben vincent which was a good album yes. um gq um put, put out some fire heather victoria like i think i like the whole jam the squad um you know the baby mez loot loot yes um, little brother of course yes Man, it's just a lot of dope music coming out of North Carolina. So I was like, I, I want to go. Here I have access to this energy. I've been playing Layla's Wisdom. Why not just go back? And then I was just interviewing Crisis. And his album with Eye is another good record that came out of there. Crisis is like, well, you know we've never, I was interviewing for Felipe's Garage. He's like, you know we've never done a, rap, a song together. Wow. You've never rapped over one of my beats. And me and Crisis have been down from, since the day I met Ninth, I met Crisis. And I'm a fan of Crisis, so I was like, man, we got to do this. This mm-hmm. has to happen. So and then I was like, yeah, and then plus Cash and plus Eric G. E. Jones, I didn't get to do anything with him. I have a couple songs I wrote that I didn't get to record because we were out fucking around. <laughs> but out fucking around with me and him is like, we went to the mall and bought the girl some shoes. Yeah. And we went to, you know what I mean? Legit running Me and Rhapsody went to go get salad while Ninth went to go get his teeth cleaned. <laughs> like, random shit. Really? 
real life shit though. Real life shit, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Taking Ruben Fenty to get his driver's permit. No. No, I'm just making that. Up. I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> oh yeah, then oh fuck yeah, then I had to go to his class a couple times. <laughs> I forgot he's a teacher. Yeah. That's all part of it. <laughs> Your animosity towards him is beautiful. It's genuine. It's so authentic. Good. Disdain is the word I like to use. Ooh, yes. that's a good one. Disdain for the dark one. We gotta just hop into the actual album. Let's go. Let's hop. Goodness, the Hulk just okay. came in rapping, spitting. The beat changed me into a beast. I started knocking out teeth so other rappers can't eat. I'm from the streets, not the sidewalk. They listen when I talk. Another rapper dead, and they saying that it's my fault. I have no recollection of the vivid vivisection. I will not be blamed for you niggas' imperfections. My locks are like antennas, mixing predator with venom. I murder them to the rhythm. You got a crew to send them. I'm two decades deep. You niggas should have stayed sleep since the late 90s. I've been spitting with the same heat, the same clip, and the same how did you know that that was going to be the first track well i didn't it was crunch time it was late we discussed i'm not no one ever knows what every album we discussed but there's one of our albums that we he said i want to make stankonia i said i want to make death certificate and then we made an album i won't tell you guys which album that was but it sounds nothing like that <laughs> so i think this one i said i want to do machiavelli he said i want to do all eyes on me so i was like man we got to get some you know thug passion was hennessy and alizé so i was like man I had to do Super Kojo Brothers that night. That song was like inspired by video games and old Dirty Bastard. So I was kind of like trying to get in that zone. So I was like, all right, I want to loosen up, man. I can't be sober doing this. Um, I can't be a sober vegan doing like an aggressive, <laughs> aggress- aggressive ass song. Because, you know, there's some person that was really inspired my verse on that song. And I was like, I got to get the full and care. And the chorus was just like a little out there. So I was like, all right. And then after that, I was like, man, I got to do two songs today. Fuck. Um, all right. And so then I was like, I just kept drinking. And then um all the young people like GQ, Heather, Swank, Ian Davis, or Ian I'm sorry, is it Ian Davis? Ian Kelly. Ian Kelly, thank yes. you. Ian Kelly, me and him and, and GQ just talked about the bay for so long, yes. man. That's that's my I'm sorry that we didn't get Ian on the album. Um but me, Swank, Ian that was a, like the late night squad mm-hmm. and then they saw me making incredible hoax and they're like bro i ain't seen these and like it was like i started fucking churning my own butter or something they started bugging out and i was like all right well fuck it now i'm gonna have to make a song about this shit because it's obviously a thing mm-hmm. and i needed a hook and also too like i don't my mind a long time ago i stopped like trying to bar up in songs mm-hmm. like you look at rolling stone i think i was reading the issue they had like 500 best songs and like None of them are about people singing about how great they are. They're about love, changing the world, shit like that. So I, I made an effort to not make songs about being a dope rapper anymore. Plus, but, people know you've been doing it so long and have such a body of work. Like, yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah. You know, some people can sell cocaine on every album, even though it's 30 years after they yes. sell cocaine. And they're mostly just doing cocaine now. But that's not me. So I was like, I want to transfer my life experiences. And so I stopped doing that. So when I had to bar up, I kind of got to go to a primal place. I was like, oh, I'm already drunk. I could just get drunker and just like do some bars. And so I wrote the Hulk. I was going to go track by track. You mentioned Super Kojo Brothers. Dun, dun, dun. That's, that's my thinking looking dance. Super Kojo Bros. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, what about it? What was that like? The industry niggas hated us. Now I see my enemies' energies niggas changing up. Yeah. Now all these niggas and bitches, they want to hang with us. Oh, this is what we on, huh? 
Well, let me go and make myself at home. Two things I don't condone. Bitch niggas and what they own. See, I done noticed something. Y'all won't give a fuck until I'm rich. It's funny, though, because then I won't give a fuck if y'all exist. Give a fuck about your followers, your bitch, if that hoe is fine. Fuck about your mediocre album and your clothing line. Mosey on. I'm the one who really put his homies on. Doctors taking blood and shit. They can't describe my chromosomes. Niggas took flights when I was broke at home. GQ. Oh, um, yeah. So he didn't get on it that day. I laid it, and he was there. We were talking. It came after a conversation we were having. I was like, man. So I think he just put some of what we were talking about into that. He felt what I was talking about. And it just came about. Yeah, my home, my little homie Kojo. I just wanted to put him on the record. He's with someone I've been mentoring since he was fourteen. He wasn't always a rapper. He's, you know, he just started rapping. I believed in him. He was very serious about the culture, and uh, he was managing other rappers, and it just wasn't working out. And so he's like, you know what? I'm gonna be a rapper then, because I'm like the one showing up to the sessions on time, and I got the access to the beats. And he was, you know, seventeen years old. You know, he would put me up on like. I listen to Red Man. Like I don't stay abreast of Red Man's doing like currently sometimes because I'm caught up with my own career. But someone put him up on Red Man, and then he just listens to Red Man's whole catalog. So he was showing me Red Man songs. So he's a student of the game. So I was like, all right, well let me give him a platform. I knew he was gonna come on tour with me, and so I was just like, yo, and it sounded like a video game. So I was like, okay, we'll just name it Super Cold Joe Bros. And uh, yeah, he smashed it. I think Q smashed it. Filmed the video when I stopped there on tour. And uh, it's always good to get on a Knott's beat, man. His mind his, is incredible. His depth, man. His, shh, man, he's just he's just extremely talented. He's one of my favorite producers. So shout out to Knott's, and I hope we did you justice. Hell yeah. Now we'll go track by track. Okay. Cancun 08. Yeah. I'm a dog ass bitch. I'll be burying bones. They've been searching six months. Still ain't found your bones. Cancun and margaritas would a getaway. I plead the fifth. I don't know shit. Man, I was on the getaway. The boys in blue blurping. Put that shit away. Shit away. Diamond more value than crack when both rocks. The difference between guns and butter when both stocks. How you get to enter the block when none of these roads stop, or how we feel to be on your last pay call when the phone. Introduce us to Pookie Blow and Silk Money. I'm um, knife played the beat and I was like, what the fuck is this? I mean, you hear everything I hear when I heard the beat. I was like, oh, it's kind of like funky, all right. And that's how we talk to each other. Before I left Kojo, who we just mentioned, it's funny how you tied it all together. Kojo came by and played me. Pookie's verse because she's siblings with double K of people on the stairs and she's also the big sister of Smoke from Phelan Park. Wow. And I've known Pookie since she was born. Wow. So me and double K used to, we went to high school together and we used to go to his house and DJ and play instrumental. Double K did my first beat ever for my first solo song ever, Red Dots. And so I've known Pookie since she was a kid. And so Kojo, who's like, who I've mentored, was like part of my family, takes helps with the kids. And he was at the house visiting. He loved my son. My oldest son loves him. So he came by to holler at my oldest son. And they play like Nintendo Switch and Mario Kart and 1 2 Switch or whatever. He's like, yo, you need to hear Pookie's verse on blah, blah. blah. And I was like, oh shit. Because he told me he knew Pookie. I was like, I know Pookie. He's like, how do you know Pookie? Because he's hanging with Villain Park thinking he's hanging with something new. I was like, I know Pookie and Isaiah and I know their brother. And I was like, bro, you know, because he always trying to put me up on shit. I was like, I know those fools. <laughs> Those babies. So I didn't know Pookie was still rapping, and I was like, "Oh man, I gotta get her on something." Yes. 
I started rapping about what I was rapping about. I was like, oh yeah, Pookie's got to get on this. I sent her the thing. She sent something back while I was still in North Carolina. So I played it and everyone in the studio fell out. Like they're just like, yo, we need that energy. Like that aggressive female. I forgot what it is. It's like Lady of Rage meets like gunplay. Like we just like, it was like, just like, you know, Rhapsody's one of my favorite MCs. And if you have to categorize her as a female MC, like for her to be like, we need this energy. I was like, cool. And Knife would tell me too, somebody's not it. He's like, nah, man everybody was like whoa like they're calling each other in the studio and hear this you gotta hear this so i was like man i was really happy for her it just felt incomplete to me i was trying to think of third verse and honestly wanted nipsey for the third verse mm. and i know ninth has a relationship and i had a relationship i think he was busy and we couldn't get up with him so then uh silk money was somebody i heard um through divine council mm-hmm. and it just came up on my itunes and he has a song um called december and it's december remix i think and it has andre 3000 on it i just had it on spotify like my spotify I follow all kinds of, so they curated playlists for me and i was like cool this is this week i mean go through this new shit and i heard songs it was dope and then i heard somebody around, I was like oh this. i was like there's a lot of young people from atlanta who we could and not even just atlanta around them, like andre 3000 not no longer in the game or at this time and so a lot of people feel like they can rap like him and it just irritates me i was like oh man i was like this song was so good until this dude started rapping like andre 3000 i was like because who would have thought that these random kids that have no followers on spotify exactly. have a verse from andre 3000 yeah. i was like i'm gonna get home and check this shit Cause I'm like, also I'm a scholar. I'm like, no, this is three thousand. I was like, how the fuck did these kids? And I was like, okay. Then of course I like got home and started doing my homework. I was doing Twitch streaming Twitch videos at the time. So I was like, let me play this video for them. And the video was amazing. I was like, oh, three sacks didn't even do the video. So I was like, how they get this verse? And I was like, oh, he directed the video. Holy shit! I was like, how did this kid? But then I was like, cool. And then I started. And then I listened to Peace Sherman Forty Two Wallaby Way. And I was like, yo, this motherfucker put the fucking address from Finding Nemo. And then I just he put out a song called Africa. And I just kept no idea. I followed the kid. He's like, bro, you follow me? That's so crazy. And a lot of young rappers I follow don't know who I am and they don't give a fuck. So when they get back to me and I'm a mutual fan, I'm like, oh shit. I was like, but it has to be something he fits on. And I just felt like he fit on that vibe and silk money's dope bro and uh i never met him still we just did through the yeah. dms but um if you haven't checked out silk money with a dollar sign like he's another young artist that uh, i feel like gets it you can hear that verse from pookie it's kind of like we're talking about nate curry like these kids know their hip-hop like she knows my shit she knows people under the stairs she knows rock cam she knows boom bap she knows parliament funkadelic but this is her life and this is her expression and same thing with silk like if you listen to what he's saying it's some conscious shit but it comes off kind of like and that's the kind of rap that i think i've been doing but i didn't have any contemporaries like i was a generation ahead of myself i think i fit more in this generation with whether it be me being in skateboards or comic books or like all that shit like there's no such thing as nerd core when i was growing up but i was rapping about buying star wars action figures and people were like what is that like black people can't do this and you know our black people can't do emo songs about girls and now look at it you know what i mean but so i think either i inspired it or no one ever heard anything i did and it just automatically happened a generation after me however you want to call it i don't need credit so i hopefully you know i could keep doing what i'm doing and, and be relevant you know what i mean because i think the the game has caught up to me i needed to get slowed down by life so that creatively i slowed down enough to catch up with the current wave but i think that you knocked those walls down and made it okay for the kids who wanted to rap about star wars action figures to be able to because like you said so many people are like oh no you can't do that it's like oh actually you can so now these kids can man that p sherman wallaby way song is my shit it's so good he killed that it slaps oh my goodness and i just talked to villain park in january villain park is incredible yeah they're dope if you haven't heard their album please please check it out 
it's a moment. It's a real album. Like you gotta listen mm-hmm. to the whole thing. The family lineage is crazy. Crazy. Goodness. It's technically the same generation because it's not like they're his kids. True. But like they have from twenty three to forty three. Incredible. Now we gotta get into my hero. Another okay. one produced by Knotts. The amazing Heather Victoria. I love her so much. Yes. Check out Hotel Boutique Hotel. Absent father. Crackhead mama, traditional recipe for a childhood trauma. Brought into this world, so racist, so sexist, but no room for respite when you just want breakfast. Sold in the foster care, third ward, Texas. For the sake of this rhyme, let's just name her Alexis. But the story has many names, face on many frames. Everything was bad, but got worse when the titties came. Shitty way to say it, but that's how they saw it. The predators and pedophiles that watch from the closet, they pose as a best friend, her boyfriend. That one. Just incredible storytelling about a woman. How do you approach something like that? Um, I like telling stories. As a man, you know, I've been a big fan of sex workers my whole life. In the past, I have dated prostitutes that are, you know I met in a non-business position. And I found out they were prostitutes, and I was like, that's what you do. It's very well documented that I've dated porn stars. And then with this current Me Too movement, I felt it was really hard for me to watch because it's not my place to comment, but it's really crazy that all these progressive women still find time to shit on sex workers or just ignore them and not bring their rights to be in the forefront as well. And I get it. You know, I don't get it. I'm not even going to try to understand it, but I don't understand it, and it's not for me to understand. So all I can do is support women who are sex workers. And then I read the Antonio Brown story. I think that's her name. And uh, I was like, yeah, this story needs to be told to more people because I don't believe it. I'm just finding out about it. I follow like even as we'll go on to unicorn glitter like I follow a lot of sex workers and I think that's a, a legitimate hustle and I think that um prostitution should be legalized because it's going to protect a lot of women um and as I recently read about the oh god I forgot what they call themselves but men who feel rejected and that's why um the man in Toronto I believe ran over people with a the truck they tried to depict it as a Islamic themed terrorist but it wasn't. He, he was a man. I forget what they call it, but uh, there's a group of men that feel like they're not able to voluntarily lose their virginities, the involuntary versions, mm-hmm. and uh, they are upset and sexually frustrated, so they go out and murder and kill. And there's been one instance in the United States, and then people get inspired, and then they go on and murder lots of people and I'm like these sexually frustrated men if they were providing an outlet possibly this wouldn't happen it may reduce the rate of rape it may save some marriages it may like it's a lot of things that are happening in, in quote unquote civilized countries but mostly for me it's what's scary about it is that it's empowering to women and I think that's why the western world has tricked women into somehow believing that using their bodies for profit is wrong but LeBron James could be he practiced a lot, but he was born with that body. Exactly. If he practiced as much as he did and he was my height and my weight, he's not LeBron James. But if men exploit their size and their bodies for profit, it's okay. But when a woman does it, not only is it demonized, but it's not regulated and they're unsafe and there's disease and there's fucking piece of shit pimps who are, you know, taking advantage of them. And, and also there are, whether you want to leave, there are good pimps who are good managers of, of women that are taken to jail. And it's just like, yo, if these persons following the guidelines and running a legitimate business and organizing a group of women to make profit and fairly paying them and protecting them, how is that any different than an NFL owner? Exactly. 
Am I wrong for saying that? So I'm like, or or record label. Mm-hmm. Being also a rapper that has always exposed his feelings and like been like open, mm-hmm. I always enjoyed, especially strippers, because I feel like that's what I do at my shows. I'm like exposing myself completely in front of people, but don't touch me, you know, type of thing. <laughs> and so I always felt that uh, kinship to people, women who definitely strippers in, in general. And I just I think it's great, you know, like if you can uh, make a living. And it's okay for women to like sex, and that's okay too. And it's okay for women to make money off of sex. And I think it's a huge industry. I think it could be great, like marijuana is for taxes and and the, the economy, society. So yeah, I wanted to make a song saying that without having to say that. And I think unicorn glitter falls under the same type of thing. And but also without being disrespectful um, and claiming to know the struggle of sex work. Or so I read a lot. And I felt a lot, and I wrote it, and I felt it was good enough to put out and see what happens. And Heather heard it, and she felt like she had something to contribute, and she was my road dog. She would, like, record me if I needed it, and we just hung out. And so I was like, cool. Like, as long as I have a woman in here that's heard it and not offended, I'll take that. Not, You know what I mean? It's kind of like I don't want to feel like it's, like, the one black person that tells you you can say the N-word, and then you go, oh, you know what I mean? But, no, but I checked it. I was like, this feels pretty safe and cool. I mean, I know our connection is through Vaughn. When Vaughn posted a Christmas and Thanksgiving, a song that I did on Captain California that was about prostitutes. Mm-hmm. And then a girl who was a prostitute DM me. was like, thank you. You know, exactly. that's all I look for. Like, so hopefully someone heard that song and, you know, my hero. And I felt like, and I wanted to shoot a video. And I think we shot the video. And I think it came off empowering and dope. And it was fun. And the women that were in the video liked it. And some of them were sex workers. And they were really happy about the song. So it's a... Uh, being an ally mm-hmm. trying to be an ally mm-hmm. horny is an emotion like hungry and when you're hungry you can go get food and pay for it so it's like why can't you act on that emotion of wanting to have sex and even taking it deeper like how you said these people who are involuntary virgins and just doing wild shit like it could really help so many things if it was legal and just respected like you said the women who are part of this movement but don't include sex workers it's just ridiculous because it's like those are some of the most empowered hard-working women out here but they're not a part of this progressive movement. Like it's- yeah, they're not progressive. And I'm like, okay, like that's, I went to a nightclub in Germany or, or Amsterdam or somewhere where it was legal and the vibe was just different. Yes. And I think that's another misconception is because Americans don't travel. When you go to the red light district, there are some beautiful women in the red light district. You can pay money to have sex with a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. You would be shocked at how many beautiful women would choose to do sex work if we didn't demonize it. And so when you go to the club, the woman knows that you can have sex with a woman of any variety and a man knows he can. So if I'm asking you to dance, it's probably just a dance. And I probably want more than sex from you. Or I just want to buy you a drink. Or I would just want to know your name. Man. Like it takes so much off of the top. But then you stop buying bottles to impress people. You stop buying the clothes to impress people. You stop doing all the things mm-hmm. that we do, the men have to do to get sex. And then you stop marrying the wrong person because you just want to have sex. And then like all that disappears. And then you're not getting divorced and you're not paying the courts. You're not paying child support. And then you're not giving your children issues where they have to buy more things and then you have to buy them more things to impress their stuff to be better than the stepdad it's like it's bad for america if we if we get over that hump but i think it's great and it works wonders i think for people's psyche unfortunately none of our presidential candidates are talking about that 
but we got to kind of get health care together first, maybe. Yeah. Kind of just get the whole Office of President situation. So I understand. Yeah. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things. But no, the way you laid it out, it's just people would be more genuine people if they didn't have to worry about things like that. And even for women, I just think it creates such a safe space to know that, oh, okay, he's buying me a drink because he genuinely wants to buy me a drink. Like, it just makes every interaction yeah, more he's genuine. he's not going to put anything in there. Man. I can accept this drink without sweating. I can't even be in imagine me. Like, you meet a guy, you think you, it's nice enough to buy a drink, and but then the whole time you're drinking it, you're thinking, did he put something? Like, yeah. you have to think about things it's, like that as a woman. It sucks, man. Yeah. Not that it wouldn't happen anymore. I'm not saying this is a magic cure. No, no, no. But it would definitely help. Like, yeah. nobody can deny that it wouldn't help. Then we get into gas station Gucci belts. Yes. The Rhapsody sample hook. Goodness gracious. So when it comes to the samples, were there any samples that you gave to the producer and was like, I want you to work with this? Or did nah, you let them I'm do their own thing? I'm not musically inclined at all. Okay. I have no idea. Just let it break. The vocal sample, yeah, I chose that. Because um, that song is special to me and my son. So I wanted to make sure that I had a part of that on the new album. How did you approach that one? Because you are just spitting and then you just kind of let it ride out at the end. Was that intentional or just kind of happened? Just the two, yeah. There was no hook. I just listened to the beat and wherever it took me. Yeah, I don't know. I was just like, all right, cool. This is, this is where, where it's going. This is where we're going. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was like, okay, I think we can come up with some scratching. And then I picked the Rhapsody thing. I said, oh, yeah, we talked about it because that song is one of my son's favorite songs, one of my favorite songs. So that was pretty, like, plug-and-play rap. Still, like, where you can get some braggadocious stuff off, but with a little bit of introspection, you know? Because, like I told you, I don't try to do those kind of songs often. And then we already talked about it a little bit, but Unicorn Glitter. Yes. It's just really a vagina lesson for men and women. Thick chick, skinny chick, really pick any chick. It don't make a difference unless you got a real skinny dick. Whether virgin, hobo whore, the tightness all depends on the pelvic floor. Look, multiple partners don't loosen up your grip. That's pure bullshit and a man-made myth. It's a whole bunch of muscle, soft tissue in the middle. So if you can't fit, you should kiss her just a little. Foreplay always opens up the doorway, a universal truth from... You really took us to vagina school and we're all so thankful because these are the things that we hear growing up and just in life and we have to put the myths to rest like it's right. so ridiculous you talked about being an ally and just how important that is but i also feel like it was kind of you were just fed up and you were like i'm just gonna put it all on wax put it all out there here's what people need to know here's the myths debunked what was it like making that one um it was fun i was like laughing myself like am i really gonna get away with this and then I was like, am I going to get her at the title? And then uh, it's a crisis beat. He's a funny guy. We have a lot of jokes, me and that guy. We have a lot of laughs. So I was like, okay, he's going to be cool with it. And then we played it for ninth. He's like, you say the dumbest shit. He's like, I disagree. That's wrong. That's wrong. He's like, but he's like, okay, it sounds good, though. I'll let you put it out. But uh, I thought it was wrong. My wife didn't find it too funny. Why? She's like, well, then you can just go get anyone else's vagina oh. if they're all oh, the same. Oh, okay. I get that. You got to put on your girlfriend hat or your wife hat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hear everything through the jealous ears of, of my wife. That's not the impression I got because there's so much bashing. I felt like it was inclusive to be like, it's all the I same. wanted to be empowering. Yeah. And then I had a female writer tell me that it was bad. Really? Yeah. I've been doing long enough where I make songs like Dark Skin White Girl or songs from a female perspective or my hero or and women have identified and loved it so I know that I'm on to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the funny thing, by the time I did that interview, I, I told her too, I was like, you know, it's uh, 
two of my hard diehard female friends already said that it's their favorite song. Yeah. So, hey, I don't have a vagina. You feel free to hate it. Your your opinion is more relevant than mine. So, but um, I'm not gonna not do it. I think I did a good job, and I feel like you know I always feel like I'm getting away with something because that's such a, a hilarious and fucking it's absurd but it it works you call it absurd i call it necessary like i said you know all the things that you mentioned are things that we've all heard and keep running rampant and it's like no here's some facts so i feel like you gave facts yeah it was very thoroughly researched not not a lot of um myths yeah i wasn't stretching it not a lot of untruths in that song course is very general and made to be inclusive Mm -hmm. i think you did great i'm thankful thank you i thought it was a good job thank you ma'am no problem then we get to high noon Ninth daughter on the beat. Yeah. Who you've known before she was even born, basically. Yeah. yeah. Before she was a twinkle in her father's eyes. <laughs> Literally. Yo. Two of the best MC standing. Cole Brandon. These all star checks I'm spending. I'm Diddy dancing. Without the shiny suits, though, your new favorite duo. Had a Gucci on the floor. I left the Versace for Bruno. And who knows the next time you'll see niggas connect rhymes. You have to birth the second coming like knife on the baseline. Turn and shoot, no seconds left. Don't have to look, you know it's wet. When I'm on my LA shit, like Ronnie beating on his chest. Mama shit, all kind of shit. My father. What is that process like? Did he give it to you? Did she give it to you? Did you just hear it? Um, I knew that I wanted to get some beats from Jada. Mm-hmm. I heard some of her beats on IG, and uh, we were at the house where we spent a lot of time, much to the chagrin of my wife and everyone else who wanted us on schedule. Not that my wife hates me be, being in there, but like I was away from her and, and fucking our newborn son, and she's having to do a lot of double duty, and she's like, go make a great record. Don't go over it. But this is all part of it. And uh, yeah, we sat out at the table where she once spilled a lot of Honey Nut Cheerios. She played some dope beats, and I was just like, man, that one, that one, that one, that one. So then when I was talking to rap about the song we were going to do, I was like, you know what, you got? I got this beat from Knife, I got this beat from... And it's really, it gets a little combative with rap. Not that I don't, I think that I would ever win out over Rhapsody, but like when people start making beats in different rooms and rap is there, because I think that, you know, seniority, like, mm-hmm. she has her weight, I have my weight. I'm always like, who, what you got over there? What mm-hmm. you playing? What you, who you, don't be sucking up all the good beats. That's what I hear all the time for everybody. She's a beat hoarder. Like, she would be like, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. But in a good nature, because she's gonna kill it yeah she, she so has like, so many part of me feels like she does outrank but like i feel like mm-hmm. one of the people like i don't so it's kind of like it was fun we've had fun along all about it so uh for us to come mutually pick a beat for the record was dope so i was just playing her like i got this i got this i got this i got this which one you like she's like let's do that one and then she was like all right let's just go line for line i was like we're not even gonna try to like i did these two bars and they rhyme she's like no you just come up with the line i'll rhyme with it then yes. i'll come up with the line you just rhyme with it and then we just Back and forth, back and forth, like didn't really even write it and then just like just dropped a line, 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 dropped a line. Mm-hmm. and then Ruben was recording us the whole time. Mm-hmm. So we could go back and forth. That's the crew. Me, Ian Q and Heather, mm-hmm. some nights and Swank and Crisis is always there and then other nights it'd be me and Ruben and rap. And then sometimes just me and Pat or me, Tia and Pat and rap. So it was you know, all the different clicks. So that click we made that high noon came out of that click with Jay. Because uh, Jada's closer to Ruben's age than anyone in the crew. So it was just good to have, like, you know, th- us and the young folk on a track. Oh, it's so, so good. That leads us to Give Me a Reason. Goodness gracious. When it comes in, you feel it. Yeah. 
didn't wanna wake up today You ain't return my calls and it's okay I know I don't deserve it, you probably want me murdered You're working on this apology, how should I word it? I know I shouldn't have did it, I'm full of shit, I admit it But if you could just forgive it, I promise to stay committed don't That's just an undeniable beat that just kinda takes over And really commands all of your attention It already feels like you're going somewhere and we're like, oh shit, we're coming with you. For that one, when it came to the writing, did it kind of pour out of you or was it hard to write? Yeah, no, that one just kind of like, yeah, spilled out like I was writing a letter. Like, now I'll say like embarrassingly easy, but it was just, it was, those are my layups. Like, when I heard that beat, I was like, I can get to this later. Like, uh, as soon as, because it's like, I don't want to start it where I can't finish it. Because I just, it's like, give me about 15 minutes and I'll do this whole thing. So let me just make sure I'm in a place where I was like, okay, and I had it, I had the time, I didn't have any calls to do. I was like, cool, let's just open this one and get to the, because the beat is so dope. You mentioned therapy on sin, and I feel like this song was very therapeutic. Ther- Thera- therapeutic. Therapeutic for you. <laughs> I, I know how to say it. Well, let's see, let me hear it. Therapeutic. Good job. Thank you. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I might get a degree someday. Who knows? You know, a little public speaking. You know, therapeutic. Therapeutic. Get a job. Oh, oh, oh! See, that's what happens. That's what you get. Was that one therapeutic for you? No. I mean, but yes, but none of these songs are about actual things that I went through. None of the songs I ever do are about what people think they're about. And they're also for, sometimes from perspectives of my friends. So this one was therapeutic for me because it was um, a releasing of some pain, but it wasn't pain related to that song. The way you tell the story, it's so genuine that it feels like it's yours, but you just carry that weight of those other people and, yeah, and are think, so empathetic. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think I feel it like I feel like I'm writing for someone. It's like someone's going to, what would they want to hear when they're going through this? What can I say to them? And not not say to them, but how can I tell their story where they don't feel alone? And if it makes sense, like I feel the spirit, that energy of whoever I know is going to touch. And I was like, okay, let me deliver this this way. And then I base it on things that I've heard or been through. I kind of structure it from there. It's beautiful. Thank you. No problem. I skipped Night Shift. My bad. Okay, it's okay. Let's go back. Night Shift, just really breaking down the life and really shouting out some of my favorite artists. And it almost felt like I always think about like early East Coast rap. They would always do that. Yeah. You know, the little shout outs at the end and incorporate them into the hook and that stuff. A former introvert until I put the pen to work Until my verses started turning heads like a tennis skirt Until the minimum was tennis show a tenor verse Now I fly on planes worldwide just to get to work We work, we work the night shift Clock in for my shift soon as the lights hit Guaranteed to keep the mics lit One, two, check and spit that hype shit Atmosphere, they work the night shift Rhapsody What was it like making that one? It was the first song we did, I think. Some of the Cash's beats, I would try to do the same producer the same day. So I did that and Sin the same day. So it was kind of just breaking down thing, and I hated it. It was so basic and so typical Merce. And I was like, okay, repeated hook, but you're feeling a different bird. You know, like, Batman, H-U-S-T-L-E. I'm like, oh, God, we work, we work the nice shit. I was like, this is lame as fuck. But I was like, let me just get started. It's the first song we did. I was like, let me just get started. And I was fresh off a tour. First of all, a lot of touring and traveling. So I was like, all right, let's just let's get this out of the way. And I think I kind of, like, it's one of those ones that I just had memorized already. So I was like, kind of laid it from memory. And, you know, it was my story. And uh, 
telling my story in a different way. Yeah, then criticizing rap about rap, which is not kind of taboo. But like making room for it. Like I did a show a while ago now with Trinidad James, and I was like, there's a difference between art and entertainment. We were judging the MCs. It was a good thing. It was on, I forget the name of the app. It was on one of these apps, 360 Media or something. Mm-hmm. It was a good show about upcoming MCs, and they were competing for a spot. When I spoke to them, I was like, you wouldn't see me and Trinidad James together, but what he does is entertainment, and I'm more of an artist. It's very different, but there are very few artists in rap. Entertainers love the spotlight. You know, I have friends of mine that are underground artists that make passionate, true music, but they do it because they love the spotlight. They don't do it because they have a need to create. Like, are you painting because you know you have a gallery show, or are you painting because you want to paint? Mm. And, you know, like, music, it was an art form until Western civilization. It was a tradition, and it was a rite of passage. It was a lot of different things, but it wasn't a business. And the business of art is entertainment. But I think that, like, theater is entertainment. Very little cinema is, is art. The, I mean, theater is art. And little of it is entertainment. You know what I mean? There's like some things like Lion King is definitely entertainment. You know what I mean? But there are plays and where it's art and there's a message. And to me, like Hamilton is a work of art and Lion King is entertaining. But they're both on Broadway. I'm a rapper, but what I do is art. And what a lot of people do is entertainment. And both are okay. Um, It's okay to be Yachty. It's okay to be Ja Rule. It's okay to be, I wasn't shitting on them. But I don't think there's, you know, too many life bars. I even think the same for someone like Meek Mill. I can't tell you a platinum single of his. Mm-hmm. But when you listen to him, to me, it's the purpose of music. Like, he's making art. I slept on him for a long time. And I don't like to do a lot of violent music. And I don't like to do a lot of, like, crack music. And I unfairly, unjustly labeled him that. But when Gene Chasers 3 came out, but I have something for the underdog. I wasn't a Mike Tyson fan until Mike Tyson got knocked out. Mm. I like to see how people get back up. Like Queen Latifah's story after her brother passed away is what really drew me in. I'd always been a fan, but to see her talk about her pain and like come back and have all the success while carrying this weight, like I just I, lo- I love that, you know. So I'm a fan of the underdog. So when you know everyone was hating him, and then I was like, I'm gonna listen to this guy, you know, because I think it also like shows you you are who you are when you're down. Like I love Snoop's second album, The Dog Father. Like that's when I fell in love with Snoop. And so that Dream Chasers Three is like like nobody's really checking for this dude. Yeah. I'm just won a Grammy dissing him. One of the best rappers in the world dissed him. He's going to jail. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna tune in. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, I need to go back. But he walks that line though. He's entertaining to a lot of people, but I think there's a strong artistic quality to his voice his style it's not refined it's not poppy it's not in the pocket all the time he's not always making the right decisions for his brand you know he's just doing it and so i like that but he also makes good brand decisions and i think i'm a little further to the left and i'm an artist i think rappers get confused with touting their numbers and stuff like yeah mcdonald's has served three million people you know what i mean but, but it's some, mcdonald's yeah but some of the best chefs cook for 10 people a day and you can mm-hmm. if you want to go see, yeah, i've eaten at these special farm to table vegan restaurants there's a great one oh god it's called farm spirit mm-hmm. in portland oregon it's a great if you could ever eat there even if you're not vegan it's amazing they do i think maybe two meals max a day but usually one meal it's a small place. It seats 15 to 20 people. Everything is like responsibly farmed. You have to pay out a lot of money because they pay their chefs and the people a lot of money and they pay people a lot of money for the produce. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. And I think that's what me and Ninth do together. And it's not going to be, I don't have like all of his famous friends like coming in trying to hop on my shit and it's okay. You know, I don't know if that's what we do. You know what I mean? And uh, Night Shift is just about that with people I think that, 
It was, I mean, everyone I mentioned on the song is way more successful than me, like numbers wise. But, you know, those are people I feel like have a similar passion. I think rap has a similar passion. RTJ has a similar passion. Tech Nine has a similar passion. Like, they set out to be great, but they didn't set out to fit a mold. They listen to themselves and they're coming from within. And I think that's what the night shift is like, you know, when you're down, when you're dark, you know, that's when you do your best work when no one's watching. No one's watching the night shift. Like, you know, mm. so that that's kind of the inspiration for me. And, and then like, and just telling like, this is who I am. This is how I got it. And I always thought about too, it's like the funny thing is like, I could definitely tell all the stories, every gangster rapper story because I was there. I lived it, but it's just not, it's not me. It's just celebrating us. That's it. I can go on. You summed it up beautifully, though, like just really thinking about artists versus entertainment and just how especially nowadays with, like you said, all the numbers, I always think about social media and just like these crazy numbers that people get and people being so obsessed with numbers. And it's like, no, it's really about connections. It's about that farmhouse restaurant that only serves so many people. But the connection that they have with those few people that they serve every day is incredible. And when people like you go there, they want to talk about it and they want to advertise in their own way and be like, no, you need to go there. So being able to still form connections in this crazy landscape of numbers and entertainment and viralness and all the wild shit. It's like, no, the actual connections is what's important. And if you're an artist, that's what's important because it's expression and it's connection. And that's what it comes down to. Expression and connection. I like that. Uh, I think, yeah, I think as you just, you just brought to my attention, I think it's dope. Only thing I think of that's dope about social media and numbers is now rappers aren't the only ones dealing with the numbers. How many units did you scan? Now everybody's just like, how many followers do I have? How many likes did that get? Now you guys are living like, I have to live my career. Like, yep. ha mm-hmm. It sucks um, that we're all concerned with numbers, but at least now it's not just musicians dealing with where they are on the charts and mm-hmm. how many people bought the album. Now you see how I feel. Like, you're putting out your content every day. Now if you're putting genuine content and there's not a lot of pictures of your butt and there's not a lot of pictures of your car or your kid, how many likes is it getting? Yeah. And now how does that affect you? Are you going to keep posting? Because I keep making music regardless if I think that, yes. I, you know, you can take a picture of a beautiful sunset and not get as many likes as the selfie you took of your showing your booty. Yep. And now what are you going to do? Are you going to do shit? You felt like taking a picture of your booty that day. That's great. <laughs> but are you going to do that every day because you want the likes? Or are you only going to take a picture of your booty when you want to? Mm. Are you going to go to the studio? And I was like, like, you made a hit. And now like they tried your De La Soul. Go back and make me, myself, and I again. Man. Go make three more of those. And they're like, no, we're just going to do De La Soul is Dead. Then we're going to do Balloon Mind State. And mm-hmm. then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do art, you know, artificial intelligence. And then, uh, you know, that's following your muse. And it's not trying to duplicate this. And I think social media exposes a lot of people. And now you know what it's like to be an artist. Like, do you want those likes? Are you going to work for the likes? Or are you going to use this platform to connect with people yeah. and express yourself? Mm-hmm. Or will it be dictated by numbers yeah it gets so much deeper too because people will try to follow the trend and be like oh, okay this butt pic got this many likes so i gotta keep doing it but you'll learn that eventually people get tired of that too so it becomes this crazy meta weird world yeah, yeah. of just trying to and chase yeah, something like it, yeah and you have artists like that there's certain artists who won't put out an album until they feel like they can ride the right trend or it's perfect mm-hmm. and will be waiting forever for these records from artists or they'll ally themselves and collab with people who they feel are relevant, you know, or go with this producer or rap like this or that's when you become a slave to it. You become yeah. a, and that's what I always tell myself, like, do I want to do another felt record because people want that? Mm-hmm. We didn't do the first record because felt record because people wanted it. 
And people are saying, why don't you work with this person? And I was like, well, no one asked me to work with Ninth Wonder the first time. Mm. No one asked me to sign a Def Jacks the first time. No one asked me to work with Living Legends of Sex. So if I keep doing what you guys want me to do, then I'll never do the shit that you really want. And you'll never know that you really want it. Mm. But then when you build up a long enough catalog, then people are like, they don't even give the new stuff a chance anymore. So I'm like, but you giving the new stuff a chance is what made the Ninth Wonder thing special because it was new and different. And you guys were like, why aren't you doing a whole album with Grouch? I mean, because I'm going to do an album, and now I'm doing a whole album with Grouch, and who knows what they're listening, because now they're going to tell me to go do an album with Ninth Wonder. I was like, but the same people literally who told me 16 years ago, why aren't you just doing an album with Living Legends producers are now telling me don't do it. You know, they're not going to listen to the album with Grouch because they want another Ninth Wonder album. <sighs> it's always just got to, like, tune those people out, and, like, I'm going to do what I want to do. We put out Brighter Days. We put out The Iliad is Dead. And now I'm putting out an album with Grouch in in the winter. And I'm just going to keep putting out albums and not caring about schedules anymore. And I'm going to paint. And I'm just going to paint. And I'm going to draw, you know, metaphor. And I'm going to express myself. And uh, if it gets the likes, it gets the likes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Exactly. But I guess now I can look at my listeners and fans and challenge like, but are you? You know? You might get 90 likes. That's your high. But you will slave for those 90 no. likes. and But then you'll criticize your favorite artist for trying to sound pop or you're sold out. I'm like, so now I'm going to go through your social media page to see how many times a week you sell out oh, for your likes. And that's, there's not even, not even money involved in that. Some are already your favorite artists sell out because they have kids and yeah. they want to like make a living and you judge them. Now I'm going to go through your page and judge you like, oh, there's a lot of pictures of your dog. Do you really <laughs> like your dog that much or does your dog get the most likes? Do you want to post a picture of the macaroni and cheese you just made? But you know it's not going to get any likes, so you're just going to post another. Oh, you're going to post the dog with the macaroni and cheese. <laughs> For real. Oh, it's exhausting. Goodness and you just happen gracious. to be taking a picture of the dog and the mac and cheese while you're standing in the mirror and your abs are showing. <laughs> the subtle flex. Yes. But we see it. We see it. We yeah. see it. And we give it that heart. Double tap. It's too much for me. But I think the important part of what you're saying is that you have to trust that you know what you're doing with your music. Because, like you said, when you first teamed up with Ninth Wonder, nobody was asking for that. That was something that you wanted to do. So just following your heart and knowing that you know how to make good music and you know the right people to work with. And like you said, just kind of not listening to those people because it's ridiculous. I used to think about that all the time with the Little Brother album. Before this one came out, people were just so obsessed. And I'm like, no, let them breathe. Let them live. Why do we always have to recreate these things just because they were incredible? Just the fandoms get so obsessed with recreating shit. And it's like, stop. Let something be something. That's my rant for the day. I think think that's it. And for me, I didn't, you know, I don't try to reproduce my kids. You know what I mean? Like, those are the most special and divine creations ever. And those are all different. Unless you have twins. And those come at the same time. But three years from now, we're not going to say, we want to have another, our first kid. You know? We want to have another Bobby. No. We know that's not going to happen. So, we always wait. It's three years later. And the funny thing is, we're the same people. Or maybe a little bit different. But we're generally the same people. The same pieces of matter. And now we're going to come together and do the same thing we did before, probably in the same position, because there's only so many ways you can have sex. <laughs> but we're going to have a completely different kid, and we're going to love it. Yes. We're just in love with the process. So if you're in love with your favorite artist, if they give you a kid, just love the kid. Bro. Yes. No, trust your artist. If it's an artist, if it's an entertainer, yeah. then expect the same thing. Mm. That's when you start expecting anything. But if you claim to be into art and real hip-hop and blah, 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 then hey, you got to roll with it. Oh, man. So good. Then... We're just getting deeper and deeper. Deep, deep, deep. Oh, fuck them. Oh, yes. 
just really talking about the trauma that we carry and create and just how that manifests into these terrible relationships. And I feel like this one, you know, there's a lot of lessons on this album. And I think that's a very important lesson as well. You try to leave but can't seem to get away Stomach doing flips, mind playing tricks on you Came up behind you and he tried to put his dick on you You was trying to be serious, don't let him calm you down You supposed to be furious And it never did sink in He slipped up, then he blamed it on the drinking But it would happen every weekend You still couldn't leave him, what the fuck was you thinking? You can't change the spots on a cheetah and you can't change the heart of a cheater. And he ain't never love you either. You Baby talked about don't. how you take other people's situations and put them on wax and write them out like that. What was the idea behind this one? I just heard it. You know, like as soon as I heard the beat, I was like, oh, I think all these songs on here. First 15 minutes, I know what I'm rapping about. Wow. First 15 seconds, sorry. Jeez. I know like, okay, cool, got it. I hear it, I feel it. I'm like, okay, got it. Sometimes I have to play it a bunch of times, you know, but uh, I think most of these were like, okay, cool. So I heard it. I was like, oh, this is definitely, fuck him. And uh, I enjoyed the negative space on it, but uh, Ninth wanted to fill it up with people talking over it, and I don't know if I agree with that to this point. I know that I'm a little too artist because there's so much negative space on it. It was just, fuck him, and it get redundant. But I was like, he's like, no, you need like Heather and Q to talk shit over it. I was like, all right. I just, yeah, I just could see it. I could see every, you know, the person, both people and me trying to like talk and speak to them. Like, I feel like you're probably a little younger than me. I know you are. The merging of like Thundercats, like a lion, no, he has sight beyond sight and he put the eye of Thunder up to his eyes. He looked through the thing and he could see, like he could see different things like into the ether. And like, or there's also a show called Romper Room where the lady would make up, like she had a magic mirror and like she would have a list of people. I see Megan, I see Special, I see Merz, hi. And you, and I, I feel like I do that sometimes with some of these songs and I forget what the song we are talking about earlier. I'm giving me a reason. Like I'm looking and then I, and I see you and I see what you're going through and it feels so real to me. And I'm like, and those were those songs like, yo, like, and I mean, I think all guys have done that. Like, you know, like a girl's mad at you. I, you know, I'm just, just to be graphic, but like, you know, you have a boner and you're like, hey, come here, baby. And, you, and she's, like, she's like, no, I'm mad. Stop it. Stop. You know what I mean? It's like, I've done that one. So I was like, oh, yeah, let's rap about that. And it was so vulgar. And it was so like, I was like, the song's so serious, but it's such a funny line. But I was like, but I know every real. girl can relate to that. Like, trying to make up with you and he's going to come put his hard ass dick up on, the, on your back. And you're like, I'm like literally trying to have a real conversation with you. But to a guy's defense, sometimes it makes the girl laugh. And then sometimes you get to have it, makeup sex. Well, sometimes then. it works. Sometimes you can't stick up for yourself long enough and there's a different stick up. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. It was like, ah, the song's so serious. And then I just say this fucked up line. It's always an awkward line for me, but I like it. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is just, you know, I think that was definitely based on more of my experience. Spent time in relationships where I shouldn't, where I've overstayed. And I feel like more than anything, I'm like, oh, the time. But I'm usually pretty conscious of it. I'm a very open person. I've told women, like, eh, time's almost up. Mm-hmm. You got it. You're going to get fired. And I'm going to move on because I can't stay at this job and waste my time because there's nothing like being. And I think that was something like telling people, like, don't waste your time. Like to a young man, like, don't waste your time. Be with the wrong woman. And that comes from me, like, starting over. I'm on my second marriage, and it's just like I wasn't going to waste my time because when you're disagreeing with someone and you're unhappy, then move on. There's a finite amount of time, and the fucked up thing is we don't know when. 
So you should move while you can before you make any deeper mistakes. You know, the decision you're putting off today is going to be harder to make tomorrow because that's another day closer on the lease. That's another day that you blah, blah, blah. It's another day. Or God forbid something happens in that person's lives and you feel like you have to stay with them to help them get through that. Then you wasted two more years being there for them, which is great as a friend, but or, you know, being manipulated when someone says they're going to harm themselves because you're going to leave them. And then you take that responsibility on too, or, you know, or their grandmother's sick, so you're going to stay with them. And like, and, and you're really not doing anyone a service. When you stay during those hard times, even though the bond isn't getting stronger for you, the bond's getting stronger for that other person because yeah. they're like, oh, they're holding me down. They're such a good person. It just becomes terrible. Yeah. And then are you going to, are you holding on to then so to not be the bad person that left them? Like, oh, this is going on and you're just going to leave me? You have to. And it's just like, yeah, maybe, you know, do you stay with them? Or do you say, like, hey, we can still, I can still help you through that, yeah. but I got to be over here, but I'm here for you in this way, mm-hmm. in this capacity. And if you need me there in both, then I can't be there for you in either. So that's kind of what that song is about. Boundaries. Boundaries. Boundaries are so important. You really have to look at yourself in the situation and go, okay, what is this boundary that I'm going to make here? Because... If not, people get so stuck in routines and stuck in ruts, and ugh, it's it's terrible. So, thank you for making that song as well. Thank you, man. No, I really think that that one's gonna help people. Like when I hear it, I envision people who are going through the situations. I'm like, okay, uh, I need to just have this randomly come on in the car at some point when I'm with this person, because yeah, they need to hear it. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, if you're about to, please. That's I think that's the kind of music I make. Like play it for somebody in need of it. Yes. To them, text them a link. Then we get to Tony Robbins' pocketbook. Yeah. to show me proof that God is real no joke when he spoke a nigga got the chills when it's real it's real it ain't hard to feel the only way to build still sharper still the Iliad is dead the Odyssey is over found God within me started searching for Jehovah what you searching for where you focus at if it's happiness no one can give you that it flows from within ninth wonder showed me proof God is real Ninth didn't record me the whole process. Usually he records me every time. Mm. Crisis did a lot of most of the recording this time. And Crisis made that beat. And so that night, Crisis made that beat. He just made, because his studio is next to them. Where everybody records, Crisis has his own room where he produces. And so he just turned it up and started making that beat. And I was like, I'm coming for that beat. And he's like, I thought you would. That's why I opened the door. And I was like, cool. It was one of the last songs we did. Nobody was in the studio to record me. So now it's like, okay, I'll record you. And I was like, oh, so that's why I'm, it's a serious line, but I'm laughing when I say it. Cause and definitely, like most of Murray's Revenge, Sweet Lord, and uh, 316 are all mostly one takes, first takes. All my lyrics, like, are just so, this was a first take. So you hear me laughing mm-hmm. on the song. And then when I say that, I was like, oh, he's going to get a kick out of this because he doesn't know the first line of this song is about him. And I'm looking, like, right at him as I say this. The irony or the, the synchronicity or whatever of this moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I wrote this down about our conversation, and he knows what I'm talking about, and no one else will know what I'm talking about. You guys still don't know what I'm talking about, because I'm not going to tell you. But a very deep and intimate conversation we had, and that was the first line, so I thought it was fitting that we did that. And to get off covetousness in a rap was hardcore to me. No one's put covetousness in a rap. Yeah. My grandmother taught me that word. Shout out to her. That's what I was going to ask. Like, where'd you even get that? Goodness. Oh, man. When the Reebok pump black tops came out they didn't have my size in a certain color my brother got the color that i wanted and she said don't look at other people and have with them what that's coveting it 
Oof. Covet it. Don't covet what he has. You shouldn't covet. My grandmother's Jehovah Witness. She's very serious about the Bible. Thou shalt not covet. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. Covetousness. <laughs> and then me and my brother learned that word. We just, we would joke it for to this day. If we see, if you say covetousness to us, falling out. I could text him right now. He'll be so mad because he'll fall out laughing wherever he is. So to get that off in a bar was like, New level achieved. Man, yeah, I was unlocking shit. Unicorn Glitter was unlocking. Like, there's secret video games I'm playing with myself. You guys don't know you're part of my achievements. And if I can get you to, like, bite on that, I, I feel like, see, that thing, and, I, and I'm honest with myself, like, came up behind you and tried to put his dick on you. I didn't get it off. I put it out there, but it didn't fit. Like, it's still, like, it's, it's clunky to me. But I still said it. You know what I mean? But I wish I could have found a smoother way or another song to put it in. But like Unicorn Glitter, that's all stuff I've been wanting to say for years. Yes. You know, animal style. Like there's certain things I've had in my ear. And covetousness has been one I've been trying to like, let me get this off. And so I unlocked that achievement. I took something from it. And people tend to like, a lot of people like that song and I'm happy. And there's no hook to it. It's a very beautiful example. It's like a beautiful beat. You know what I'm saying? Some things that I needed to say, you know. I don't remember this, the second verse. Uh, it's always the second verse. Yeah, I never remember the second verse. <laughs> now I'm trying to think. But yeah, kind of stream of conscious, or is it consciousness? I don't know which one is. Whatever stream of just writing what was coming to me. And that's another one I don't know if I wrote down or just all that I wrote it in my head. But I felt it, and then we just went back and, you know, laid the hook. Or, laid, you know, me talking in the hook. And I thought that would be the last song on the album. I thought this was a great way to end the album. Mm-hmm. And I thought we were probably going to lose Night Shift. Oh. So I thought it, Night Shift wouldn't be on there and Sin wouldn't be on there and this would be a 10 song album. Interesting. The outro is super important too, talking about paid dues and talking about helping people and how that helped you. What was that decision like? I want to tell this story and break down what paid dues meant to me and what it was for me. Um, I think there's a lot of like, it's me trying to lay down a burden because one person in particular that has been saying things and I feel like subbing me and and uh, my comments and shit and then ducking and dodging my phone calls and I haven't run into them yet and also for me letting go because I think I did spend a part of my thing as for me bitter is not a real deep as a lot of rappers get bitter but I was like a little like affected affected by that and uh you know I think people are influenced you know people take and people will always take and people won't give back my grandfather taught me something and I've worked for me he was like if you ever lend someone money just don't expect it back but I think that goes for everything yeah and uh, that's what I had to learn. Like, what did you gain from it? And leave that, you know, because money comes and goes. Make sure you can get something more than money. I think that maybe that's the whole thing about Tony Robbins' pocketbook. And I just recently having just paid, signed up for a Tony Robbins class. It was very expensive. That guy's made a lot of money. But what is he giving you for that? And I've seen people that have, I know people in personal lives who have gotten tremendous amounts in return from it. I was like, so what did I get from pay dues? Let me clear up the animosity and the problem I have is not with an artist. Mm-hmm. A couple of the artists I've seen things they do that are like directly stealing from me, and I'm like, "You're not even gonna credit me, bro." And then I can't get a feature in return, and I can't even get invited to the studio. I can't hang out. Like you can't even give me a text like, "Hey, big bro, thanks." Yeah, I like what you did. I hope you see my your influence on my new album. Thanks, bro. And I talk to all my OGs, whether it's Daryl Jennifer from Bad Brains or Shock G or people who are open to me dj quick like i'll reach out and thank them or publicly thank them or you know especially now like we're, we're getting older and times are just getting weird you know i feel like everyone i see i gotta tell them you know i saw dell at in vancouver and i just told him man like he's like, i saw the interview bro thank you i was like well, i just want to tell you to your face man like my life isn't my life without you 
Crooked Eye the other day. I just saw him last night, and I was like, bro, let me just tell you the lyrics. And I think I've told him when I was drunk before. I was like, but now I'm sober. I want to tell you again. Like, from the first time I ever heard you say, spitting these rhymes on, written on Project Kitchen Tables on Corrupt Streets as a Mother, till you open the Slaughterhouse album with too many something wearing size 20 skinny jeans something like they're about to sing billy jean i was like that's an album full of great lyricists mm-hmm. it didn't get better after that i'm not saying I'm not disrespecting anyone i'm not even disrespecting the rest of the lyrics you wrote i was like but that was one of some of the greatest raps i've ever heard in my life bro like you're amazing and i want to tell you to your face i love you and you're amazing so i just start especially now but i think I, through pay dues i was always able to give the love that i wanted to get and I didn't get it back a lot and that fucked me up for a while and while I was giving so much love I wasn't loving myself or my career or my art and my art started to slip and my sales started to slip and then I got bitter about that I think and so I came back with a vengeance like I'm gonna take what's mine and I was like you know what now I'm in a place where I just want to continue to give but I'm gonna give without expecting it's funny because I did that with pay dues like I didn't expect anything from anyone mm-hmm. I didn't know where all those people were going, but I expected when we got there, we would all still be cool when they got where they were going. And then the fact that we're not even cool anymore, you know, it was just weird to me. So I guess I was somewhere subconsciously expect, but like I said, I wanted to help them. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the line, whether it's through other people or through life, I started expecting. And my initial thing was never, I was never like, oh, I'm gonna put Curtis King on this. And one day he's gonna tell me, you know, Curtis has helped me so much. I wasn't like, yeah, Curtis, I didn't know. And he just ended up giving back to me. And I think it should be like that. Everything should be like that. And if they don't, that's fine too. God bless them. And that's what Tony Robbins' pocketbook, the metaphor is like, you know, what is, like, how much money has Tony Robbins made? Nothing can equal parallel the impact he's had on lives. That's what I want to have. You know what I mean? I want to have, like, Tony Robbins' pocketbook, like, where you can make a lot of money and you've changed a lot of lives. Like, that's amazing. Oh, that's so beautiful. I could go on a million tangents about yeah, how. Sorry, I was... No, no, no. Like, I literally felt all the things you just said so much that I could go on a million tangents about how that resonates with me, but I won't. And I'll just let you know that a lot of that really resonated with me. So thank you. Because the expectations and just trying to help people, and it really has to come back to you and how you felt about it. You shouldn't be doing it for any other reason than that. So it's yeah, important. It's important. You mentioned a couple times how you didn't like Night Shift or you didn't think it was going to make it. But I feel like you like it now. You performed it last night. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. It makes sense. It grew on me. It definitely grew on me. And I think that uh, my fans like it because that's my form of entertainment. Like I feel like I'm so against making entertainment when I feel like something's plug and play. But it's like, oh, shit, of course my fans are like this. Like This is a typical merch song. But um, I think also people need to hear it. I think for me, like also f- sometimes, and people... You know, I felt bad saying it in the interview I did with Quali, but I do feel like a lot of my fans are white mm-hmm. and unfamiliar with my experience. Mm-hmm. So when I get to tell them, like, yeah, like, I was doing illegal things to support my music career, but I, I chose not to rap about that. Yeah. But I don't think I'm above these people. Because it feels weird to me when people that aren't black have something to say about Little Yachty or Ja Rule. Mm-hmm. And this is not real hip-hop. I'm like, it's not your culture to say that. It's not your place to say that. And those people saying that type of stuff are my fans. Mm -hmm. And it's weird, too, because they think that's what you want to hear from them. They think they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell Merz that Lil Yachty sucks. And then he's, no, if you know Merz, you know that's not how he gets down. And then when I say it alive, people are like, ooh, like that line. I was like, I'm not dissing John Rule. I'm like, but there is, like, what I do is art. What they do is entertainment. Mm -hmm. This is the shit you quote, and this is the shit you listen to. I love Holla Holla, but I haven't listened to Holla Holla in... 15 years bro. but when it comes on <laughs> yeah if someone happens to play 
out you know what i mean holla holla every man that was a jam mm-hmm. so i'm not saying that that's bad like i said i don't divide the lanes i just stay in my mm-hmm. and you can hear it you know what i mean but i didn't mean it to shit on them but i think hopefully it's a subliminal thing like that on the surface it gets people in but then what i'm saying is like it's okay to listen mm-hmm. like the kyle and little yachty song i forget the name of it right i spy mm-hmm fun as shit man yeah. the video's fun everything's fun and I love Kyle mm-hmm. I met Lil Yachty nice kid a nice young man I don't want to you know be little yeah I, I'm good let it all exist yeah, it it's all okay exists. let those kids get money man and then we get to sin yes incredible storytelling and it of course samples Summer in November by Sir where should I begin I heard somewhere that Summer in November's a sin but that's where I tend to differ Who doesn't need a little bit of warmth in their winter And it was cold as ice She started as a dim light on my coldest night She just asked me about my day I didn't see the harm in me saying okay She said just okay There's gotta be more Understand at the time me and wifey was at war She opened up the door and I typed a couple paragraphs The next couple nights we would meet there and share a laugh Produced by Cash were you inspired by that Sir song? How did that come into play? I never listened to the Sir song. I didn't know who he sampled. Knife sent me a lot of the beats. He mm-hmm. sent me the Nods beats. He sent me the, and I don't know if they prepackaged them for him to send to me or he picked, went through the beats and picked out what mm-hmm. he wanted for me. But I was like, man, this one cat. And it was one of those ones at Jamla when you get in there, his name of studio is Bright Lady. When you get in a Bright Lady and people are like, oh, so you're going to rap over the, oh, I was like, oh my God. I was like, oh my God, are you fucking serious? Like, now I gotta live up to some shit. Like, now everybody knows about this beat. Like, other producers have flipped that sample, but they didn't use their part. Like, their cash did that. So, like, it was already a good beat. It was already a good sample. It was already a good song. Then it was a good sample. And then it became a great beat. And now I'm like, all right, what do I do? Do I keep with my idea? You know? And, uh, yeah, I did. And I was like, it was super long. It was super drawn out. It was super hard to record. And that was a long ass story. And I was like, this is not good. This beat is way better than this rap. And I kept telling Cash, I was like, this beat. I was like, man, you gave me two really dope beats and your beats outperform my rhyming. I didn't, I didn't think Night Shift lived up to the beat. And I didn't think Sin lived up to the beat. And I just didn't think it was going to make it. And then Cash likes to play around. He's like, Merce, you're trash. Like, he always does. So I was like, I was like, he's like, yeah, well, you did have a pretty predictable ending. Everybody sees that coming. And I was like, okay. So now I thought I added this plot twist in it. And that song is definitely has its roots in real like my real life. But definitely nothing like the story. Not, not even close to my real life. But the roots, it was originally supposed to be about me getting catfished, which really happened. And I was like, I need to tell this story and I thought I was going to tell an openly catfish story and then it became somewhere in November and I was like well what if this and what if this and what if this and I started writing and I was like oh yeah this is good this is good and then I laid it and Cash was like ah, I saw that and I was like oh god Jesus Christ now it's a very clunky it's not a well delivered song my delivery's off I don't know it was mixed poorly at first the rough mix was really bad I hate hearing my voice my voice was too loud so I couldn't listen to the song then I felt like because of how Cash reacted, whether it was true or not, he's probably fucking with me. I was like, man, no, I didn't, I didn't tell enough of a twist. Pat was like, both of those have to go on. I was like, damn, Pat is nice. Yes. I was like, I don't want that to go down as, because the beats are dope. I don't want to have a song on the album because the beat is dope. Mm. 
But as I performed Night Shift, people liked the lyrics. And I ended up doing most of that second verse acapella. I was like, oh shit. And then when Sin dropped, I was blown away. I was like, whoa. And so I'm like, pardon my friend, but what are y'all niggas going through? I was like, damn. Seriously? I was like, yo. So many dudes are like, yo, this is the truth. This nigga Merce, God, he reached right into my heart. I was like, yo. I kind of got that. Like a lot of these fans didn't listen to the album because on strange music, but if they listen to the worst, I think they'll get the same vibe. Because a lot of dudes were like, yo, you are breaking the guy code. Like you're really telling the whole truth on this song. And that's scary. But yeah, some of those things are definitely... Um, happen in some way mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like walk like a man like I just combined a bunch of my truth with a f- little fiction well no this is, there's a lot more fiction in sin than to walk like a man yeah. but yeah this, so I was like man what are y'all going through and I'm like good god you know I'm glad I'm like I said I'm tapped into what people are going through my sight beyond sight my lionel sight beyond sight is working my eye of thunder is working my romper room mirror is I can really see into no disrespect to the furly ghost um <laughs> It's a whole different romper room, not that romper room, people. Um. I appreciate that. <laughs> I felt like the ending was super good. And I think that the ending is another lesson. We talk about all the lessons on this album. And I think that I personally didn't see it coming. But, you know, maybe Cash, yeah, Cash. is he's smarter than me. And that's OK. Smarter than everyone. Yeah. Cash is smarter than everyone. That's good, though. We need that. So I felt like that was another lesson because you had an idea of how this was going to pan out and it panned out the other way. And it just really makes you think about what type of person she was versus what type of person you are. And you can imagine in that situation that becomes super reflective to where it was like, oh shit, I left everybody. And she decided to not fuck them up, but fuck me up instead. And I just think yeah. there's a lesson. Or is that. she the person we were talking about on, um, fuck them? Like, is she staying for the wrong reasons? Ooh. And not ready to move on. Ooh. And this person is courageous enough not to waste any more time with the wrong person. See, now there's a curve ending because now it's full circle. That's crazy. Ooh, it's true. And then anything else you want to tell the people about the Iliad is dead and the Odyssey is over. The Iliad is dead and the Odyssey is over. I think we talked about most things. High Noon is also a very lengthy basketball conversation that continues on with me and Rhapsody because she's a Laker fan. And I was a New York Knicks fan for many years, but for the past few years, I've been a Clipper fan. Now that I've been living back and I have a son that loves basketball. Kawhi Leonard has been his favorite player before he came to the Clippers and now so now it's really on but um, he was a Clipper fan because we had to choose a team that he could go see all the time so I had to leave the Knicks and James Dolan is a piece of shit <laughs> but um, that's it that's the only thing I didn't say I want to say that uh, please appreciate the basketballness of High Noon mm-hmm. and respect Rhapsody's basketball IQ seriously if you really listen, she'll give you a few in almost every song. Just a, a bar here and there because she really knows and loves basketball. It's beautiful. We got to talk about THOP Fest, Thought Fest yesterday. Okay, let's talk Such about Such a good time. What was your favorite part? I saw on your Instagram story, it was tough for you to get there with the whole babysitter situation. Yeah, so, man. So you got- I think with the favorite part, my favorite part was a beer. I had a good beer. And then my best friend took my beer, so I didn't get to. Cause I had to have a little beer to get ready this morning because I, I didn't get home till late. Then my baby would have me up at like four in the morning. Man. So I've been up since four in the morning. But then I one time went to this place called Obregón, Mexico. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And in Obregón, these guys we got drunk all night with these older Mexican gentlemen. And uh, the next day they wanted to get up early and they like go out to the beach and go fishing and to, to this, their homie's house. And I was like, man, I'm so hungover. And then they were like, here. And they gave me a beer. I was like, what, is, what sense does this make? 
and it's i guess it's the hair of the dog i never heard of that so then you drink beer and then you're kind of like normalized again mm. and uh, so i had to get beer this morning i was looking forward to having this beer i think it's called pomona queen it was really good and i really enjoyed it and i was looking forward to it this morning and i went in the trunk and i realized that my best friend took the pomona queen from him. he stole my queen Jeez. Your best friend will steal your queen every time. That's the bottom line. I don't know if that was, that was a tangent, but that was my favorite part of Thought Fest. Saw some OGs and, uh, man, yeah, that was another part. Just seeing friends of mine or not, I guess one of them call friends, like acquaintances, colleagues and, and mentors or kind of like people I looked up to over the years and talking with them and just seeing like some of the homies that are mutual friends that went to jail when we were teenagers and are just about to come home. I'm 41 years old and a couple of homies are just coming home and just talking about that and being grateful for them coming home, being grateful that, you know, we've been able to, you know, count your blessings, man, and just just appreciate life. So it's always good to catch up with some people that have a similar, you know, because a lot of my fan base fortunately doesn't share like that, yeah. that struggle. Mm-hmm. So when I see brothers that are surviving and thriving and, and being good dads and I used to get really, really happy. So um, that was a good part of it, too. Um, hearing Mob Deep's music yes. was good. Just, yeah, seeing some of the fans. But I think, yeah, the beer and, and the big homie is, and, uh, were, were the best parts. How about you? Can oh, we man. ask you questions on this? You can do whatever you want. You're mercy. <laughs> um, I love Blue in Exile. Okay. I'm just, that album is just incredible. Below so the Heavens, I believe it yes, is. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Chris Oric. Red Pill. Yeah. I was so happy because I hadn't seen him since the last time I saw you. Oh, which wow. was what, like four yeah, years ago? Yeah, he got ago? a perm and something else. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. was looking real cute up there he in his Okie Dog t shirt. I wish I could have gave him some sunscreen, but he looked good. Oh, he was burning or burning my man. <laughs> it, was, it was so hot. Oh, he's from Detroit, mm-hmm. so there's no sun there. Yeah. You see how white those guys are. And like, it's October. We don't expect LA to be as hot as it is, and we get yeah. here and we're like, oh shit, it's hot. Blazing hip hop and RB. Blazing. <laughs> So yeah, he killed it. Uh, Pistol McFly was dope. What is a Pistol McFly? Pistol McFly is on Dirty Science. He's a super dope kid. What I think is Dirty he's from Science? San Diego. You don't know what Dirty Science is? Is that is, is that this Exiles? Like a pop quiz? No, is this Exiles yeah. label? Okay, yeah. all right. So yeah, Exiles label. So Pistol, Chris Ork, and then like they had some dope female MCs that I had never even heard of. So that was all right. dope. So earlier in the day, there was Polka One, Nat the Lioness. She was dope too. Okay, I heard of that. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good. Yeah, and I met some guy named Nosh Boogie. I met some rappers from Sac. Yeah, I know him. He's so, good people yeah so I, he had a really interesting album mm-hmm. gentrification yeah and it has a like an give it to ball. me in a jar oh yeah it's the adam it's the cover of dookie do you know that it's a play on a green day cover oh see you're white you're supposed sense. to know that shit I, I, once you tell me i'm like oh yeah and no white people not knowing about green day that's pretty bad green especially. day's from the bay too i know and you're so. gonna get your white pass revoked <laughs> take it <laughs> i've been waiting for somebody to take it this whole time <laughs> <laughs> get rid of that shit i'm like i'll be anything but that's that's a different that's podcast. i'll be an alien i'll be a reptilian oh, take... you know shit oh uh, so is the mp3 player yeah in the so it looks like a cassette but then he gives you headphones and a usb so that you can listen to it off of the mp3 player which is a cassette so i'm really interested in listening to this not that i can listen to anything in my house because i have children yeah but if i ever oh when i get on the plane there you go and he gave you the full experience like there's literally no excuses like the fact that he gave you headphones he really wants me to listen to it and i, I like rappers some of my favorite rappers are from sex so dope. um you know lynch is dope but um mm-hmm the cuff man they're unsung heroes of yes. sacramento pb nate the great brother rj and crush yes. they really really inspired me when i was coming up in the bay federal expressions by the cuff is one of the best albums ever yes. 
Um, so I really want to shout out to, to the cuff. And so anytime I hear new people from SAC, I'm into it. And his son, Nate Curry, is killing it right now. Yes. Shout out to him. No, Nate Curry is super fucking killing it. I went to see Coder the Friend, and he opened up for him, and he killed it. My favorite thing was I've been going to Sacramento shows for 10 years, and the crowd has been a little shaky throughout the years. They were fucking into it, and it almost made me cry. I'm yeah, like, that's what I saw that on Instagram. Yes. I'm on my Twitter, and I was so happy for him. I retweeted it. I've seen that kid rap since he was a kid. And that's the thing. Like, the stuff he's making now, people may confuse as, like, non-hip-hop, the purest. Don't fuck with Nate Curry on the microphone because you will get your whole spot blown up. If you want somebody to bar you the fuck up, he can, don't trip. Like, you know what I mean? He can come out that bag real quick. He's just one of the ta- – what is it? It used to be tactics. Tactics, young bruh. Like, he went through a bunch man, of names. He's great, man. His dad is great as well. But, uh, I mean, literally, Nate the Great. But, yes. uh really into this so i'm really happy for him and i'm really into code of the friend man he has a song about birthing i'm talking about not having your baby at the hospital yes. and, um, that was a real traumatic thing for me i lost my first child i'm um, trying to have a home birth oh wow so when people are so prone harm birth i want to like caution them mm. but even though i went had lost my child at a home birth I still hate the hospital. We had it yeah. out with the hospital this last time really bad. And so I want people to listen to that young man. He's so wise beyond his years and he's sharing an experience. And he's, his music is dope aside from that. And his mm-hmm. videos are dope. I guess basic has a negative connotation now, but it's like um, stripped down, simple, yeah. minimalist type of thing, vibe. And um, he's such a talented young man. And uh, I've only like exchanged like, you know, compliments with him on in social media. But uh, I would love to meet him. And I w- if I didn't have these kids, I would love to go on to one of his shows on this last tour. Him and Toby Lou, I fuck with Toby Lou yes, yes, and yes. Um, and Coda. Shaw, just young people say hip hop is dead, man. And I like I like know people tuning in this are like probably older heads like <laughs> me, and so I want to educate you guys about the shit that's that's new and mm-hmm. good and doesn't sound like the old shit. Because there's people, young people making old music, and that's yeah. cool too. Keep traditional rap alive, mm-hmm. but I like younger people doing new style of music and doing it well. They have their foundation in traditional hip hop. Um, anyway, what do you got? Questions? No, I love that they're really owning it. Like you said, he's super stripped down, but he has his own look, his own sound, and it's so dope. And a message. Anything else you want to tell the people in general? I don't like Marmol films. He's not even into room. Okay. <laughs> I just want to say that. I'm going to go put on my gel suit for the These Hands video. Look for These Hands. And uh, thank you for not making me have to talk to other people. <laughs> seriously thank you like the amount of gems you just gave me in the stories and just actually taking the time to hang out with me and responding to me thank you no i owed you i fucked up the party no you didn't and thank you so much for checking out this episode if you enjoyed it make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on in the show description i'll also include another episode with mers episodes with rhapsody gq all that good stuff in the show description plus i'll have links so you can reach out to me just say hi let me know what your favorite part was let me know who else you want to hear on the show all that good stuff i'm on twitter at special says and on instagram it's at special says as well as always this episode is dedicated to marlon do what you can to stop senseless acts of gun violence.